And as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 3. Uh, we'll be back in uh, our passage that we've been making our way through uh, again this morning in a few moments. Our Donald Day giving from last Sunday, I'm excited to share, was $1,752. Yes. Uh, we will use these dollars to provide a pizza lunch later this month for the administrators, teachers, coaches, and staff of Little Elm Independent School District, which is over 1,100 people. Thank you for your generosity to give to God so that God can use us to bless those in our community so that we can show the love of Jesus to those that God has placed around us. My response, as always, is go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. Paul's focus in chapter 3 is right living, living God's way and God's strength for God's glory. Paul answered the question, what, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. Paul answered the question, why, in verses 3 through 5. For we were too once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, We were living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. We, too, were once dead in our sins spiritually. We were separated from God by our sin against God. We, too, were once like those who don't know Jesus. Paul continued in verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration or renewal by the Holy Spirit. God saved us by his mercy, grace, and love for us, not by our good works for him. God regenerated us. God gave us new birth. We have been born again from above. God brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life in Jesus. God has washed away our sins, past, present, and future, by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. God has renewed us. He has changed us for the better, inside and out. And God continues to renew us day by day so that we can continue living His way. This regeneration and renewal is by the Holy Spirit of God in us. Paul answered, The question how, in verse 6, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. When God saved us, he placed his Holy Spirit in us. We can be who God wants us to be, and we can do what God wants us to do by the presence and power of his Holy Spirit in us. That's good news for you and me this morning. Amen? And then he continues and says, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might be heirs of God with the hope of eternal life. We know that God has justified us. He made us right with him in Christ Jesus. We are now heirs of God. We are God's kids, and we have the hope today of our eternity with God in glory one day. So we have this hope today and for all our tomorrows. Notice, real quick, we won't labor on this long, but notice the harmony. Notice the power. Notice the unity in God the Father, 
God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in this passage that we're looking at. Notice the harmony, power, and unity, not only of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in this passage that we're studying, but also at work in our lives. This fills us up and fires us up for Jesus. This passage is an amazing passage that talks about our salvation, our new birth, our sanctification, our continued growth in Christ Jesus. What a glorious passage. And now Paul continues in verse 8. And he said, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who believe God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. This is the fifth time Paul has written the words, this saying is trustworthy. The fifth time in his writings in the New Testament. Let's look quickly at these. If you turn to your left just to 1 Timothy, you'll be there just a couple of pages. 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, we see this first instance, and Paul wrote these words. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Paul affirmed Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Paul affirmed that he was lost in his sin, and at one point desperately in need of God's salvation in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, this saying is trustworthy. The second opportunity here. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. Paul affirmed the desire to be an overseer, pastor, bishop, elder. We look in at 1 Timothy 4 and verse 9. Paul wrote, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. What was he talking about? He was talking about the verses prior, and in particular, he was telling us, Paul affirmed physical training of our body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God who lives with us. Physical training of our body is beneficial now. <clears throat> but he went on to say, spiritual training in godliness is beneficial now and forever. So this saying is trustworthy and a full acceptance. And then if you continue in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul wrote, For this saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. Paul affirmed that when God saved us, we died spiritually to sin and self, and we were raised by God in Christ Jesus so that we could live for Christ Jesus. And so we see now in Titus chapter 3, here in verse 8, Paul is making this declaration once again. This saying is trustworthy. This saying means this statement, this teaching, this word. This saying in verse 8 refers to the truth that Paul taught in verses 4 through 7. It refers to God's kindness, love, and mercy to us in Jesus. It refers to our new birth in Jesus. It refers to the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and empowers us to live God's way. It refers to the hope of eternal life that we have with God in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy. Trustworthy means something or someone to believe in and depend on. So what Paul is telling us, Titus and us today, is this word is trustworthy. 
This teaching is trustworthy. We can believe in this word. We can depend on this word. This word is trustworthy because God is trustworthy. Scripture is trustworthy because God is trustworthy. So this saying is trustworthy. So you can trust this. You can believe in it. You can depend on it. And then he said, I want you to insist on these things. He says, I want you to insist on these things. I want you, as a reference, Paul is writing to Titus and the elders and pastors then and elders and pastors today. And he's telling Titus and all elders and pastors, I want you. That means us. He says, I want you to insist. Insist literally means to speak confidently. It means to affirm constantly. Insist is in the present tense, which means this is a daily discipline for Titus elders and pastors then and today. I want you to insist. I want you to speak confidently. I want you to affirm constantly. I want you to insist on these things. These things, again, points back to the truth Paul taught in verses 4 through 7. So Paul told Titus, elders and pastors, then and today, I want you to insist. I want you to speak, preach, and teach God's word confidently and consistently so that God's people can hear, understand, and walk in God's word. God wants us to live what we learn from his word. God wants us to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. So we understand and know this. That's why Brother Al was talking about, hey, we're here today. God's brought us here because God has something for us. Don't miss out on getting what God has for you. He has something for us every day, through the day, as we spend our time with him, walking with him, talking with him. So he said, I want you to insist on these things. Pastors, elders, Bible teachers in preschool, children, students, adults, life team leaders, speak confidently and affirm constantly the truths of God's word. Why? So that God's people can hear, understand, and walk in God's word. Because that's the point. We're not just to listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. We're to do what the word says. And then he continues and says, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. So that there is a transition phrase, and it means the reason Paul is insisting that elders and pastors as speak confidently and affirm constantly these things is so that those who have believed God, those who have believed God means those who have believed God is who he says he is, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, those who have saving faith in Christ Jesus, those who have been regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit of God, those who have placed their faith in Christ Jesus, so that those who have believed God. Now real quick, those who have believed God is in the perfect tense. That means those who have believed God is referring to an action, a belief, and a faith in God that happened at a point in our past salvation that continues in the present sanctification. It's believing and trusting in God in the past when we were saved, and it's believing and trusting in God day by day as we grow in our faith in him. 
He said, I want you to insist on these things so that those who believe God will live for God. So that their forgiveness will lead to faithfulness. So their faith in God will lead to fruit for God. So that their change in Jesus will compel them to live for Jesus. So their new birth from God in Christ Jesus will lead to a vibrant new life for Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy, Paul said. I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed God will be able to live for God. We're able to have that faith in God to produce fruit for God. Now he continues, he's going he's to bring us into a particular specific application. He said, so that they might, they might be careful to. So that those who believe God might be careful to. That means so that they might consider. So that they might give thought to. So that they might be intent on. So that they might pay attention to. He said, devote themselves to, so that they might be careful to, so that they might consider to devote themselves to, means to carry out, to engage in, to maintain an interest in. Why do we insist on these things? So that those who believe God will consider and give thought to carrying out and engaging in and maintaining an interest in good works. Good works, if you're taking notes, write this down. The original language, here's what it means. You may not expect this. Good works means good works. That's what it means. Good works. And so what Paul is sharing here is we are saved for good works, not by good works. He's already made that clear. Not by acts of righteousness that we've done. We are saved for good works, not by good works. As Paul said, for by grace are you saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying good works are an indication of sincere, authentic, genuine faith in God. Good works or an indication of sincere, genuine, authentic faith in God. We see and know and understand this. One way that people see Jesus through us, one powerful way that people see Jesus through us is by our good works. It's by our actions our good works. And it makes sense that Paul would challenge us, that God through his Holy Spirit through Paul would challenge us to good works. Those of us who have received God's mercy should show God's mercy. Those of us who have received God's grace should show God's grace. Those of us who have received God's love should show God's love. Those of us who have received God's kindness should show God's kindness. Those of us who have been blessed by God, which is all of us, should be a blessing to others for God. Makes sense. I love what one Bible scholar said. He said this, the root of our salvation is God's grace. The fruit of our salvation is good works. The root of our salvation is God's grace. We're saved by God's grace through faith. 
not by works, so none of us can boast. The root of our salvation is God's grace. The fruit of our salvation is good works. Good works are an indication that there has been a change in our lives in Jesus Christ. Think with me now that every one of us up to this point in time, we are official scholars. We're official Bible scholars, at least on the book of Titus. As we've been making our way ever so patiently, thank you for your patience, ever so patiently, verse by verse by verse by verse, these past months, think with me, based on your understanding of where we've been and where we are now, and I think you'll agree, Paul has emphasized good works throughout Titus. Chapter 1, verse 8, we're to love what is good. That's God and the truth of God's word. Chapter 2 and verse 3, we're to teach what is good. That's the truth of God's word. Chapter 2, verse 7, we're to be example of good works. Chapter 2 and verse 14, we're to be eager to do good works. Chapter 3 and verse 1, we're to be ready for every good work. Now in chapter 3 and verse 8, we are to devote ourselves to good works. He'll end here in a couple weeks. We'll be finished with this study, and he's going to end with another challenge to good works. Paul was on to something. Clearly, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, he was on to something for you and me today. As we discipline ourselves on a day-by-day basis to think about God's salvation of us, think about where we were and to think about who we were and to think about where we are and who we are now, to think about God's regeneration and renewal of us, as we think about God's salvation of us, as we think about God's continued sanctification of us day by day, as we think about how God continues to work in us moment by moment, step by step, to make us more and more like Jesus, good works should then overflow from our lives. Our joy in Jesus should produce good works for Jesus. Because of his good work in us, we're able to do good works. Listen, good works is our response to God's good work in us. Good works. Serving others is our response to how King Jesus has served us. God's good work in us of salvation produces in us an understanding and awareness and a passion and a desire to do good works. And so Paul here is reminding us, this thing is trustworthy. I, want, I insist, I want you to insist on these things so that those who believe God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. And then he says, these are good and profitable for everyone. These, these obviously means the good works he just finished talking about. These good works are good, means excellent in character, admirable, honorable. These are good and profitable. Profitable means beneficial, useful, helpful. These are good and profitable for everyone. Good works are good and profitable for everyone. That means us, all of us, and all those God places around us. What Paul is telling us is as followers of Jesus Christ, When we do good works, everyone wins. Everyone. We win. 
as we do good works, because it's better to give than to receive. Everyone around us wins as we do good works. This is awesome for you and me to understand this reality. Let me just share this. Let me just, we'll get a little bit more specific. Good works are good and profitable for those who don't yet know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord because our good works allows them to see Jesus in and through us and to be drawn closer to Jesus by the good works that we're able to do for Jesus. Understand, God is at work in us for us, but God is at work in us, and he is using us in our good works and his work in others' lives. He uses us. In his work in others' lives. Don't think for a second the good works that you do don't make a difference for eternity. They don't make a difference for in the kingdom. They absolutely do. Now, we may not know until we get to glory the ultimate measure of our good works and all that happened as a result of them, but they make a difference. Listen, God convinces those who don't know Jesus yet that. He is God, that he knows them, and that he loves them, and he has a plan for them as he works in and through our good works. God calls them to draw near to him, to listen to him, to open up their hearts and minds to him. God then convicts them of their sin and need for forgiveness, and they lets them know that that forgiveness is available to them only by the blood Jesus shed for them on the cross of Calvary. And then God changes them by his grace through their faith in Christ Jesus as they place their faith and trust in Jesus and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for their salvation. Listen, God uses us in his work in others' lives. You know this as well as I do because God used others in his work in your life. He used others in his work in my life. He continues to use others in his work in my life. And those others include y'all. He uses y'all in his work in my life. And he uses me in his work in your life. This is the beauty of being part of God's family. But he also uses our good works in those who don't yet know Jesus. Why it's so important. Why Paul said, I insist. Man, I want you to insist on these things so that God's people will devote themselves to good works because they're good and they're profitable for everyone. But listen, good works are good and profitable for those who know Jesus Because they are used by God to remind, to challenge, to encourage, inspire, and motivate our brothers and sisters to join us in doing good works for Jesus. Good works includes carrying one another's burdens. It includes comforting one another. It includes encouraging one another. It includes forgiving one another. It includes helping one another. It includes listening to one another, loving one another, meeting one another's needs, praying with one another, praying for one another, communicating with one another, serving one another, speaking God's truth in love to one another, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, fellowshipping with one another, sharing God's word with one another, in some doing life together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. God wants us to engage in good works individually, yes, and collectively, yes, yes, collectively. The local church is to be a 
factory of the Holy Spirit's good works. Pouring out of the church into the community that God has placed the church in the middle of. It's a local church. Yes, we go about our days and weeks, and we spread out, and we go to our congregations. Every one of us has a congregation. We go to our congregations, and we minister to our congregations, and we do good works, and we speak God's truth to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to those God places around us who don't yet know Jesus and the hopes that they will come to faith in Jesus this individually. But listen, we also come together as life teams, as ministries. We come together on Sundays. We come together on Wednesdays. We come together in all the different ways that we have opportunities to come together and to serve. And we come together collectively because we can do more together than we can individually. And when we come together, we're able to go and we're able to do good works for those in the body, but also for those outside the body. Why? To bring honor and glory to the Father. That's why. That's why we do this. Every one of our ministries here is designed for us who have believed God to be careful to devote ourselves to good works for God. And that starts and begins with preaching and teaching the truth of God and His Word. And then it means going out and doing exactly what this Word tells us to do. So that God can be glorified, so that God can be praised. This is the purpose of our ministries. I'll give you a couple in particular. Our Dollar Day and Crossridge Cares Ministries are specifically designed for you and me to do good works, to walk in this word, to do good works on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. That's why we do it every month. Every month. Until the Lord tells us to stop, we're not stopping. I don't believe he will. We get an opportunity to come together. And we get an opportunity to declare the glory of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God to those God's placed around us. That's awesome. That's awesome. And as we do the good works, as we serve our community through our Crossridge Cares, through our Dollar Day ministry, through all the other ministries, our student, our children's, all the other ministries that we have here, but in particular those two, we're doing the good works, not to say, look at how great we are, but to declare, look at how great God is. We're doing it to say, yes, we love you, community, but more so, we're doing it to say, God Almighty loves you. He loves you. And that's one of the greatest ways as we walk in this word in particular, in just one example, these good works through these couple of ministries, we're able to show faithfully, generously, abundantly, lovingly, regularly the difference Jesus makes in us. Because those who don't yet know Jesus don't understand what goes on. And they really don't care about what goes on in here until they see some of what goes on here and here out there and they want to see that what's in here and it goes on out there is different than what they got because they're struggling, they're fighting, they're looking, they're searching and they're coming up empty. They're coming up empty. We were once just like them as Paul said. We came up empty. We know this. We know the hope that this world is looking for is not found in what the world has to offer. It's found in Jesus. That's it. And now that we know King Jesus, 
We cannot stop. We can't help ourselves from allowing those good works to overflow through our lives here in the house of God, together with our brothers and sisters of Christ, first and foremost, we want to make sure every one of us is loved. We want to make sure every one of us is comforted, is encouraged, is challenged. We want to make every sure every one of us that we don't want to miss any of our family. There's not one of our family that we want to miss. You know this with your own families. You don't want any of your family members to not feel loved by you. You don't want any of your family members to go hungry and not get good food. You don't want any, we don't want anybody to not get fed the truth of God's word here within the body of Christ. But then we come together and we go out there. And with the grace and love, mercy and kindness of God, we just pour those good works out. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture that Paul's sharing with us, that he is challenging Titus and these elders and pastors years ago. God continues to challenge us today. These good works, be careful to devote yourselves to them because they're good and profitable for everyone. Paul reminds us once again in this passage, I'm sure you noticed it here in verse 8, something he's reminded us of. We've talked about this a lot uh, through the teachings and through our study of the Word, because it continues to come up over and over again, especially in Paul's writings, and he's reminding us again here that our beliefs determine our behavior. You see it here in verse 8. Our beliefs determine our behavior. Our convictions determine our conduct. What he's saying is those who believe in God, they should live for God. Those who believe in God should do good works in and through God, those God places around us. So what is our application? What is our takeaway? How are we to put this truth into action in our lives today and this week? Because we're getting ready to go here in a few hours as we finish off our time here of service, of worship, of encouragement, of praise, of prayer, of fellowship, as we head to our life teams later today and those small groups where we're getting together and doing exactly what we're talking about doing individually and collectively. How do we put this truth into action in our lives. What is our application? It's real simple. One application point. It's real simple. Do good works. That's it. Do good works. I don't see how you can get any more clear from this passage of what we need to do in our day-to-day lives. Engage in good works. Devote yourselves to good works. Maintain your interest in doing good works. Listen, get out of the stands of the Christian life. Get off the sidelines of the Christian life and get on the field of faith and do good works. Start doing good works. You may think to yourself, well, how? How, Mark, do I How can I do good works? What do I need to do? Real simple. Number one, think about, think about God's good work in you. That'll get you started right there. Think about God's good work in you. Think about how God saved you. Think about God, how how God is changing you day by day. Secondly, ask God to show you opportunities to do good works. Just ask him. I promise you he'll answer you. If you start thinking about his good work in you and you begin to ask God, God, would you help me to see an opportunity today that you will present to me that I can do a good work for you in your strength for your glory? And then ask God, after you ask him to show you that opportunity, 
ask God to give you the strength and the courage to do the good work. Because you're going to need strength and courage to do the good work because I'm telling you, the enemy is going to come against you and he's going to do whatever he can to discourage you, to distract you, to keep you from doing that good work. And then what you got to do is you just got to step out in faith and you got to do the good work and God's strength for God's glory. You just got to go. You just got to step out and go and do that good work, trusting that the God who has presented that opportunity, that the God who is at work in you is the God who is at work and knows that he has given you an opportunity to do that good work for, and he'll give you the courage and strength to do it, so you step out in faith. And I promise you that first step, taking that first step is always the toughest. It's always the toughest. Always. Because once you take that step and that faith starts to activate, every other step gets easier and easier. As you begin walking, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when God sees us trusting Him, stepping out in faith, ready and willing to just be used as His vessel, that's when He, he brings the power of the Holy Spirit. And he unleashes it in us so that we might be able to move forward for his glory. Listen, doing good works helps our walk with God. As we do good works, we become more and more like Jesus. Doing good works is what Jesus did. As Jesus said, whoever wants to be first among you must be your servant. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, my father's work and I too am always at work. And so we know doing good works helps us grow in our walk with God. We grow stronger. We, we grow deeper in our walk with God. Doing good works helps our worship of God. We worship God as we do good works for God. As we do good works for God, we thank God for his good work in us. And we all know that thankfulness is a big part of our worship of God. So as we do good works, we're thanking God for his good work in us. And at the very same moment, as we do good works, we're worshiping God. Because thankfulness is an important aspect of our worship of God. The psalmist said, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Paul said, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The author of Hebrews said, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And then the very next verse he said, don't neglect to do good. Say that with me out loud. Don't neglect to do good and give. He literally said, after saying worship the Father, giving praise and thanks, he said, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Don't neglect to do good and give. And then he said this, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. For God is pleased such sacrifices. We please God as we worship Him. And doing good works helps us to worship God. Doing good works helps our witness for God. 
As we do good works, we bless others through Jesus. As we do good works, we declare to others the truth about Jesus. As we do good works, we point others to Jesus. Doing good works is one way in which we are to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Doing good works is a way that we look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's a way in which we love one another as Christ loved us. It's a way in which we do unto others as we would have them do unto us. It's a way in which we in humility consider others better than ourselves. Doing good works helps our witness for God. And remember, we do good works not so others will recognize them, receive them, rejoice in them, and return them to us. We do good works because God has called us to do good works. We do good works in God's strength, and we do good works for God's praise honor and glory, not ours. And as we think of these good works, we stop and we once again are brought back to the greatest work that has ever been done for us, the work of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who took our place on the cross and he paid our price for sin. He was humiliated, beaten, mocked, On that cross, he died for you and me. He's buried in the tomb, and on the third day, he rose again victorious over sin and death for us. And it is this good work of salvation that God has started in us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus that God is going to continue to carry on until we see Christ Jesus face to face. And so we are reminded in this passage that as followers of Jesus, when we do good works, everyone wins. Good works are good and profitable for everyone, us and all those around us. So let's do good works. Let's engage in good works. Let's devote ourselves to good works. And let's start right now. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of worship. And I want to encourage you to focus in on good works. Our prayer partner is going to be standing here at the front. The altar is open as it always is for you to come and, and do business with the Father. Maybe you want to go and brought, grab onto a brother or sister in Christ and do the good work of blessing them. Do the good work of encouraging them. Do the good work of praying with them. Do the good work of praying for them, over them. This is our opportunity to respond, to react to how God has spoken to us, no doubt, as we have focused in on this verse, as we have focused in on the joy, on the privilege, on the beauty of good works, there's no question that God has brought folks to your mind that you may need to text, folks that you may need to call, folks that you may need to visit, folks that you may need to email, folks that you may need to touch base with, folks that you may need to set up a time and meet with them today or this week. And maybe, even maybe, that. God's brought some folks up that you need to go to right here and right now and just love them and encourage them and bless them and put your arm around them and say, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Maybe it's husband's wife just coming and kneeling and crying out to the Father because of what's going on. Maybe it's just to give thanks to God. Maybe it's to cast your cares on Him. Listen, this is God's 
time with us now. He's spoken to us, and now it's our our opportunity to respond to him. If you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, then I would encourage you today to say yes to that good work of salvation that God desires to do in your life right here, right now. He's brought you here for a purpose, and he is ready to welcome you into his family, to make you an heir of his, to give you the hope of eternal life one day, to give you new life, abundant life in Christ Jesus, right here and right now, eternal life in Christ Jesus, by you simply responding to his grace, his favor at work in your life, calling you to say yes to Jesus, to once and for all, to get it settled, to not allow doubt or question to stress you out anymore, to finally just say, God, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. I don't want my life anymore to go my way because my way's not working. It never has. I don't believe it ever will. God, I want you. I want your way. I'm ready. Right now, I need Jesus, and I want Jesus. I repent of my sin, of living my way. I confess my sin to you, God, and I ask Jesus to come in to my life. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe he died on the cross in my place. I believe he was buried in the tomb, and I believe he rose again on the third day. He's alive and wants a relationship with me. And so Jesus, come in, take over, take charge. Listen, you pray a prayer similar to that. God, according to the truth of his word, save you. God is at work in your life, drawing you. Drawing you. He's ready to give you new birth. Ready to change you for the better from the inside out. This is God's time. What a joy, what a privilege for us to have an opportunity starting our week off today to respond in obedience to him. Let's stand and let's worship the Father together.